Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Our guest today is Jason Chambers, who recently quit his job to become a full-time artist. Now, I think that's something many of us will dream of. Jason is a US-based artist who specializes in abstract cubism. Jason always wanted to be an artist, but life took him in a different direction. After selling a few of his paintings online, a friend encouraged him to try selling his art as NFTs. Now, NFTs are a way of selling digital art with the proof of ownership. Now, although he was initially reluctant, as he liked to paint by hand, Jason decided to give it a try. And you can find out what happened in the podcast. Well, first of all, thank you so much for coming on um, and chatting to us today. We're dying to get to know you a bit better. Thank you. The first question we wanted to ask is, have you always drawn from a young age? I have, uh, ever since I can remember. Um, Mm. I I think the, I think it was about 10 years old really stands out to me when I really got involved with art. Um, my father was, was an editorial cartoonist for our local newspaper. And I remember standing over his shoulder, watching him draw these cartoons and being in complete awe. And I think I knew from right from about 10 years old that I wanted to be, that I wanted to be an artist. So, and from then on, I pretty much drew nonstop and I, and I copied all kinds of drawings from you know, comic strips to, you know, cartoons that were on, that were on TV. So, you know, for as long as I can remember, I've done this. What an amazing job. I was just thinking your dad had. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Just an interesting question then to add to that. Um, A lot of people sort of say you're born with talent and we sort of say, well, you can definitely learn it. But do you think then there's an element of that um, kind of genetic uh, creative well, Jean, I guess it is passed down. Do you believe in that, or do you just think you were inspired because your your dad was an artist and you've come from an artistic background? I think that some people, you know, may be more inclined to art. Um, you know, just mm. like I said, it, it, there may be a genetic aspect to it, but I think that practice um, is is key, really, to anything. And I think that anybody that that wants to get into art, and if they they have that drive and that desire they can develop the skills they need to to be you know to, to be a good artist absolutely yeah so did you go to art school or are you self-taught i am i am 100 self-taught um i think that i would have liked to have to have went to to art school but yeah it just wasn't in the cards for me um i got married very young and had children very young and and my entire uh my entire life has been about my family so um in fact uh, you know like now I do this, I do this full time, but, you know, I had to wait many years to be able to do this, to be able to do this full time. So. Were you always imagining that you would actually go back to art when you sort of, you know, took another job or whatever? Oh yes, always. It was, it was always that, you know, that, that daydream of, of, of doing, you know, of returning to artwork and, and doing this full time and 
living this glamorous life, which (laughs) (laughs) we're covered um, in paint, (laughs) covered in paint and and going, going to art shows. um, But yeah, yeah, I've I've always daydreamed about this and it's, it's a dream come true to do, to be able to do this now. So how did you self teach yourself? I was gonna say self taught, but bad grammar. How did you self teach yourself? (laughs) I copied, I copied everything. Um, I mean, really, um, that's that's how I how I taught myself any kind of technique, you know, especially in the in the age of YouTube and all this other great stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, that's co- you know, copying is, is is a great way to is, is a great way to learn. It's a great way to get inside the minds of um, another artist as well, isn't it? It is. You know, to just it see how they work. So. I remember um, one once I was copying because um, I kind of did that as well. I did a bit of that, and I remember copying Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, sketch and I thought this just isn't this doesn't feel right it feels really odd I just can't put my finger on because I'd copied other artists it was fine and then it occurred to me that he was left-handed so all of his hatching was a completely different way than I than I was doing it so it just felt totally alien to me (laughs) (laughs) once I thought interesting I did not know yeah yeah once I I did it my way but his style I, I that was fine it was just not, I'm not saying I was as good as him by any stretch, but when I was back then, I was learning. It was kind of like a real, um, an eye opener for me, actually, that when you copy someone, a lot of it is as well as whether they're right handed or left handed as to how they work. So, yeah, that was interesting. Um, so, you do a lot of cubism, don't you? And I'm wondering what drew you in particular to that as your style? That's that's a really good question, um, and it's something that I, I think about uh, a lot. You know, why why do I stick with this particular this particular style? Mm-hmm. And I, I think when I first discovered cubism, you know, it was a it was a very um, abstract way of thinking or an abstract way of looking at an object or a person. You know, you're looking at it from multiple sides, multiple perspectives, and I I think that that's kind of what drew me in. Um, my artwork is, is definitely, you know, leans towards cubism, but I think that I'm maybe a little more, maybe a little more abstract cubism than like your traditional, you know, you know, like uh, early 1900s, you know, Picasso, ba- you know, Bosca, um, uh, you know, cubist works. So you said you copied artists. Were you copying cubist artists? Oh yes, most definitely, most definitely, and most notably Picasso. Um, yeah. and, and that was that was like from like my high school years on. I would you know copy anything from you know his you know Guernica, you know the most famous you know of his of his works to you know um, to was it Silvet? I think Silvet was probably my favorite one of my favorite paintings by him. But yeah, I, I pretty much copied you know any of those any of those big artists. Uh, were you copying as in painting with you know the oils or the acrylics out, or were you doing drawings more? I mainly focused on on drawings. I did do a few paintings, but I was more considered more. Um, I cared more about the. Uh, I can't talk this morning. I cared more <laughs> about. I cared more about the, uh, the the draftsmanship of it. You know. Yeah. You you have to be a, in order to be a good painter. You have to be a good dra- you know draftsman to begin with. So. Oh yeah, yeah. And that leads really well into the next question, actually. Do you use a sketchbook? Uh, and do you, if you do, do you draw in the same style to what we see, you know, you're putting out there in your cubist work, or do you draw different things? Um, I do keep sketchbooks. Um, my sketchbooks are probably my most prized possessions. I mean, they are, you know, they're they're my whole life. And, and, I, and I constantly uh, refer back to my sketchbooks to, you know, kind of gain inspiration for different pieces. And, and to answer your question, yes, my, um, my 
artwork and my sketchbooks um, are very close to what I create as my finished my finished pieces. Are you one of these people that has these beautiful sketchbooks? And they're all... I have. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have two. I have two sketchbooks. Oh right. I have, I, well, I I have one that I will show people. One, <laughs> yeah. Those those are the pretty ones, and then yeah. I have ones that are marked up, and I have notes written, and they're kind of they're just for my eyes only, and, and no one will ever see those. But I do have I do have ones that I have no problem showing other people. You know. Yeah, it's always a good inside. idea, isn't it, to have a secret sketchbook? <laughs> it is. It is kind of kind of like a journal. It's very private, you know. So yeah, and there's no pressure either, is there? But I, right. there's a yep. common misconception, isn't there, when you look at social media and you see all these people sort of sharing their amazing sketchbooks, which are a kind of artwork in themselves. And, and newbies kind of look at it and think, oh, you know, my sketchbook doesn't look like that. And and it's not always, <laughs> yeah. you know, pe- the thing is what they, they often don't realise is that, you know, most people will only share those sketches. They're not going to necessarily share the ones that they don't particularly like or didn't particularly exactly. work. So, you know. So um, what kind of materials do you use for your work? I love I love pen and ink. I I am I am in love with those, with that particular medium. Um, but I do I do venture off. I do I do create in, in various you know I, I create in acrylics. I create in oils. I create in pastels and charcoal. Um, but I love I love pen and ink. And I, I don't know what draws me to that, but I love I love pen and ink work. Well, you can trust as well that it's going to last, can't you? I think with pastels, they're a little bit. I worry yes. when I when I used to create some things in pastels in in the past and you know they fade and even if you fix them they still fade so I love you know creating work that I know is going to last at least pen and ink you you do know that don't you it's going to be something that you know will last oh, definitely. a very long time mm. definitely yeah. but I, I think something with the pastels you know like it feels they feel so primitive to me you know it's kind of like mm. caveman drawing on cave you know <laughs> cave yeah. walls I think yeah. that's why I like like the like the charcoal and the pastels you know yeah I was going to say the pen and ink, is that, are you using pens or are you using like dip pens to do your work? I usually use pens. I use uh, like Micron pens or Uni pens. And I, I do have some dip pens and I do use some brushes where, you know, I actually, you know, dip into an inkwell. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And well, Pos- isn't it a Posca marker you were using on Twitter? Eh? You were you, you're saying about how much you've fallen in love with that. Oh, I just fell in love. I, I had I had bought some. I, I am like a I hoard art supplies. I will go to, a, to an art store and I will buy crap that I do not need, but I will <laughs> buy it and I will stick it in my closet. And I pulled out some Posca markers yesterday for the first time and started mm. using them all. Um, it's a really large watercolor paper, and I just I love them. They're they're so great. Actually, they'd work really well for your work as well, Danny. You can get really nice bold colors with those, can't yep. you? Yes. You know, I, I always had trouble with. Have you ever tried using them on white? I can never get. Uh, not on white so using that white posca on a black i can never get it to stand out yeah i, I haven't i haven't done that i'm gonna have no. to uh no not not a good not a good deal not in my opinion anyway <laughs> so so what's your process for creating a piece of art oh it's it's uh it's very very intuitive um it's very uh organic i like to I like to start off with these. They call people call them scribble drawings, and I don't know a better word for it than that. But I start off with this random continuous line all over the entire page or over the entire canvas, and then from these random lines, I start seeing shapes that I've you know formed, and I'll start picking out like maybe I'll see eyes or I'll see a nose or I see a mouth or a hand or an arm or something. And it's kind of like I look at it kind of like how a, a sculptor takes a piece of clay and they, they they mold it into something. And at the very end of it, you've got this this beautiful sculpture. 
And that's kind of how I look at creating my work is I'm kind of like chiseling away at these different lines and shapes until I have uh, some kind of composition. And will you do that in a sketchbook and then replicate it on a larger piece or is that straight in there on, on the big work? So I used to only, um, I would, everything that I did was completely organic. Whatever I did in a sketchbook, I would, I would, I wouldn't replicate it. But now, um, because I am working on uh, much larger pieces, if I have a sketch that I really, really like, I'll actually take that and transfer that onto a, onto a large piece. The piece that I'm working on currently is completely intuitive. It was just like, let me throw some lines down and see what happens with this Posca marker. So. Oh, you know, I really like working like that. I don't do it very often, but there is something really freeing about working like that, isn't there? It is. It is. It is. I, I get into this. I get, in, get into this zone, you know, and I'm like hyper focused on what I'm working on. So, so I think most artists remember when they sold their very first bit of art. When was that for you, and and how did that come about? Oh, that was like a. I think it was like a life-changing moment for me um you know i've always created art um and i would sell little bits and little bits of pieces every now and then but i think when i started selling artwork in the style that i create and now i want to say it was in 2019 early 2019 maybe like may 2019 so kind of to kind of backtrack a little bit so when i started creating this artwork i started creating them in little um three by five uh, inch sketchbooks little small pocket sketchbooks doing these little drawings. There were little doodles that I would do when I was at my job and I was bored and I would sit there and do these little drawings. And my coworkers um, kind of took note of what I was doing and they were like, these, these are really cool. And I was like, thanks. So then I got this kind of habit of I would create one of these little small drawings and then I'd pass my sketchbook around to my coworkers and they would all, you know, ooh and all over them. Right. Mm. So I decided to take these um, take this same style and translate it onto, you know, a little bit bigger of a piece and I ended up, I think within just a few months, I sold this first piece to a collector in, in Texas. Um, I was showing them on social media, by the way. So that's how they, that's how they found me. It was on social media, it was on Instagram. And shortly thereafter, I sold another piece to a collector in Paris. And then right then I was like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm selling stuff to France now. This is, this is great. We're, we're international now. So. <laughs> and so from then on, I, I was kind of consistently consistently selling uh pieces here and there so did you have a really big social media following then because to sell on social media i mean that, that's quite an achievement mm. um not really i had i think that i had maybe four or five hundred followers maybe all right and, it, and it, but this is really before i kind of like figured out like how to how to boost engagement and how to gain more followers on social media i think now i think uh not I don't want to come across as bragging, but I think I have like around 11,000 followers right now after I don't know, two and a half years of consistently yeah, posting wow. and, and engaging with others. So my sales have definitely picked up as my following has grown. But mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's something <laughs> I think we all struggle with that, don't we? That You know, the algorithms and all this sort of stuff, oh, trying to mess. understand it all. And oh. <laughs> But I know you recently quit your job. Um, to become a full-time artist so I'm presuming that job wasn't a creative one um, what made you take the plunge to do that because it's quite a, a, a risky decision isn't it was was it scary to do that oh it's yeah it, it was scary and it, and it still is um, mm. especially and I'm still I'm still fairly new at doing this um, I think what 
gave me the confidence to to do this was um, which I would have guessed we're gonna probably segue into into NFTs, but it was NFTs that gave me the opportunity to to go into uh, doing this full time. So was it a creative job you're in at the time, or what were you no, doing? No, no, I, I worked in manufacturing. I worked, right. I worked for a factory. I worked uh, twelve hour rotating shifts, you know, as a shift worker. So oh, God, definitely, definitely work. not creative at all. Yeah. It was. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you got into NFTs and what exactly NFTs are. Yeah, uh, can I just yeah, go on, just sorry, because because. Tara, you have just recently introduced me to this whole NFT thing, which I'm going to hopefully shortly be doing myself. And quite honestly, the first thing I want to know is what does NFT stand for? Because I don't even know that. <laughs> NFT stands for non-fungible token. That's that's what it stands for. <laughs> oh, yeah. None, well, that, none the wiser yeah. now. Well, that makes perfect sense. The penny's but, finally dropped. <laughs> <laughs> and all, all that really means is it's a it's a digital contract that lives on it's called the blockchain and mm -hmm. it's a place where you can sell anything from music or in my case i sell art but you can pretty much sell anything as as an nft which is so cool hmm. so could you tell us a little bit how you got into nfts and and basically what you do and, and how you go about it so I, I got into NFTs, uh, I, and I was very resistant to, to getting into them because I am very much a traditional art snob. I like to <laughs> sling paint on canvas or ink on paper, um, and I was very resistant to getting into them because I think I didn't really understand what they were. Um, I had a friend of mine, um, he's, uh, he's actually pretty big in the NFT world, his name's Gabe Weiss, and he had mentioned to me... Um, about getting into NFTs and I was kind of like, yeah, man, this is, that sounds great, but just not really for me. And this was in around April of last year. And I think around May, he started having a lot of success. Like he was selling nonstop. And I said, well, you know, what the heck, I'll just go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll take some of my, um, some of my physical work, I'll digitize them and I'll, I'll put them on OpenSea and, uh, see what happens. And, uh, nothing really happened until about like the <laughs> end of end of may i finally had a sell so like, this is right, cool. like I, a month a month later was it after you put your first one up a month later yeah roughly about yeah, a, yeah about a month later I, I finally sold an nft i think i made i think i sold it for like a hundred and something dollars but i was ecstatic i'm like i just sold i just sold a digital piece of work you know a jpeg for you know a couple hundred dollars and so i was like you know over the moon and then nothing else sold again for about another month and a half. And then within about a month and a half, um, I had a collector that I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know why they did it, but they, they, they saw something in my work and they bought my entire collection, which was, I think maybe 15 pieces that I had in there, mm -hmm. but they bought everything at one fell swoop. And that gave me the momentum to, to go further i was able to go out and you know get on twitter and say thank you so much you know yada 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 for buying you know my entire collection you know and that gave me momentum so when i started dropping more nfts they would sell sell like right away and this just continued up until i was uh featured on OpenSea's homepage. and if you guys aren't familiar with OpenSea or, or being featured on the homepage, that's like getting a golden ticket I mean, they, mm. that's, that's where everything takes off from there. So life changing. So say, say you have a painting and you take a photograph of it and you, you, you have it on your um, open site for sale as a digital. 
once that sells, that digital image is then gone. You can't sell it multiple times. Am I right? Is it just that's, that's, that's correct? Oh, that's correct. Oh, okay. I see. Gosh, I better get painting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Especially as I'm a realism painter as well. So it, it takes me a while to. It takes uh... a little while. <laughs> yeah, I, it definitely. I... Uh, yeah, once. Go, oh, go ahead. No, no, sorry. Carry on. Carry on. No, no, I was just, I was just saying, yeah, once, once you create that NFT, that, that, that digital piece, now you could, you can sell it as multiple editions, which is, which is cool. But if you sell it as a single, as a one of one, you can really only mint that one time on, on one platform. And I guess it's more expensive then, isn't it? If you just have the one, I guess. It, it, it can be. Yes, it, it can be. Mm-hmm. I think it depends how well known you are as well, doesn't it? I'm guessing if you're yeah. quite well known, you can sell editions for. Yeah, right. it's, it's the learning part, isn't it? The learning part is is huge. I mean, I, I just set up my OpenSea's account yesterday and um, managed to set myself up with a, a digital wallet. And I, I texted uh, Tara and said, "God, my brain feels like it's going to explode." It was, but but I think once you get your head around it, I mean, I felt so good when I'd actually done it because I'm not someone who's who naturally, um, you know, I'm a creative. I'm not you know Einstein do you know what I mean and sometimes when you're doing things like this you feel like you have to be don't you but just taking these things step by step it's not actually as scary as it first seems is it once you sort of start and that's what and and that's the hardest part like you said is starting I've got a lot of Mm. people that I've helped onboard into the space and they were trying to have this big strategy and this big plan and I'm one of those where I'm just going to jump in I'm just going to go ahead I'm going to create it and I'm going to I'm going to jump in because if I sit here and I think about it too long I'm liable to back out. Mm. I, I don't know about you, Jason, but when I did it, and I only did it a few weeks ago, well, maybe a, a couple of months ago initially, I, I opened an overseas account. But then actually doing that initialization thing, I was terrified because, you know, I didn't know about all these cryptocurrencies that you had to use. And right. I, I was scared to death how much it was actually going to cost me because it, it's all not <laughs> shown up front. Were you the same when you did it? Uh, yes, I was, I was definitely that way. Um, in fact, I had a hard time, you know, with OpenSea, you pay that, you pay that one-time gas fee yeah. and you list your first, your first item. But of course I didn't understand, un- understood, didn't understand <laughs> how it worked. <laughs> and the gas fee at the time, I think was like, I don't know, $150 or something like that. And I yeah. was just like, and to me, that was like a lot of money to, to be able to lay down on the off chance that something that I put out might sell, but you know, it's, it's, it's paid for itself many times over since then. So it's, it's definitely a worthy investment, but yeah. yeah, it was a little worrisome in the beginning. Yeah. For anyone who's listening, like the gas fee is kind of like a transaction fee, isn't it? Yep, <laughs> I'm glad you said yep. that. Cause I was, I, I've, I keep saying, what is all this lingo? I know Tara, you said something <laughs> about being minted and I thought I would take that as you, you you've just earned a ton of money because in in our, you know in England if you're minted you've got loads of money <laughs> and I'm thinking wow what's she sold now and it turns out it's something else it's some kind of other lingo so you can look at well you can look at minting just like like what like a treasury department does when they when they mint coins you know yeah. they mint the coin you mint artwork it's, it's, it's pretty much interchangeable I was, talking to, I was talking to my son yesterday and he's 25 and uh, he, he just gave me a call and he, I said, oh, sorry, I, I'm, I'm right in the middle of something at the moment. He said, what are you up to? And I said, um, I'm looking at um, creating some NFTs and I'm trying to learn about cryptocurrency. Um, 
something and he said ethereal and he goes ethereal I was like yeah he goes what on earth would you know about all of that (laughs) well (laughs) it's like I shouldn't know about any of this stuff because I'm way too old it just made me (laughs) so um as far as the marketing side of things then uh, is concerned obviously you still sell your originals and presumably prints and things like that you know physical items um so Along with trying to market those sales, how do you also go about marketing your NFT art? You know, it, it, do you do you market them differently, for your, or do, they, do you kind of lump it all into one thing? I lump it into one thing, and it's it's and it, you know my marketing you know primarily consists of social media. I mean, really, you know, yeah. from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter, but yeah, it's pretty much all done the same way. And do you find, because I've, I've basically been told that Twitter is the place to be if you want to sell NFTs at the moment. Oh, yes. Yeah, Twitter Twitter is the NFT hub. That's where you're going to find the community. You'll find a little bit of them on, on Instagram, but uh, mostly it's traditional artists on Instagram. Twitter seems to be the place to be. And, you know, you have Twitter and you have, you know, Discord. And I think they've even branched out to, um, which is, I'm too old for this, but it's uh, Twitch, Twitch TV, whatever, where you can live stream, live stream stuff. But um, that's another that's another place that I see uh, NFT creators are kind of branching off to. Are they actually doing live art on there? Twitch is it? Right. Oh, yeah, I've seen right. that. Oh. I've actually never been on the platform. <laughs> I've never, <laughs> Me I've never done it. No, I think, what, I think a lot I've, of kids would do it on like video games. Yeah, um, yeah they do. And I've watched an artist um, on Twitch and um, yeah, on there for hours, just painting real time, and and people sort of chat on the screen while she's painting. It's really fascinating. That's you know, maybe you I need to try t- that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could um, I um? Could I just ask one more question about? I don't know what, so Sandra. I don't know what you were gonna. No, carry on. No, right. Carry on. I was just gonna ask about the marketing. Are you actually bundling in some of your original work when you sell your NFTs? Yes, yes. Periodically, I will. In fact, I just sold. Um, two NFTs and two and the originals uh, with them to a collector um, that lives on was it Isle of Man Isle of Man yeah so so I just so I, I did lump those in and I do periodically do that as kind of like an incentive like you know you buy this digital work and you're also going to have something to hang on your wall so. I, I take it you increase the price in, in order to you know enable yourself to do that do you I do I do yeah. when I when I include a, a physical as unlock like unlockable content then I will, uh, I will increase the price a little bit for that. Can I ask you just a question about, because you get this unlockable content, which is basically when you sell something, you can give the person who's buying this extra. So it could be a print, it could, it could be anything, couldn't it really? You could, you could have yes. a one-to-one chat to them or, or whatever. Um, but when you do that, I take it, if they decide to sell your NFT, they don't have to also sell the original art with it. They don't. No, they, they don't. don't. They don't. And I've actually, I've actually been asked that question, you know, quite a few times. And and I always say that once, once the artwork leaves leaves my hand, it's entirely up to what the collector wants to do with it. If they if they want to pass the artwork on, that's great. And if they don't, that's it's entirely up to them. Right. Um, but I do make sure that I put that I put discla- I put these disclaimers in my descriptions that, you know, one if they if they're getting this physical artwork, they have so much time to contact me to arrange shipping. Otherwise that original reverts back to my collection, then I can do whatever I want with it. Right. And also that once it leaves my hands, it's up to the new collector to either pass it along or, or whatever. But I always, I'm big about disclaimers. 
do you do prints of your art? Like I, I do, do limited like... edition prints of mine. I don't know if you do limited edition ones, but it just, um, I was sort of asking you, Tara, the other day, and it was kind of like we weren't really entirely sure what happens if you do a limited edition prints of something. Can you then still sell that as an NFT digital piece? Do you see what I mean? Do you think that's something that's okay to do? I, I have. In fact, I've got, uh, I have two uh, limited edition, limited edition prints on my website i am I'm, I'm catching the devil trying to talk today <laughs> um, um but i have i have two limited edition prints that um are actually have they've actually been sold as nfts and then i have some open-ended prints um that are also nfts so i don't i don't really see a problem with it because i look at nfts and physical art as two two separate entities that are collected by two very different sets of collectors so Mm. I mean, I said to Sandra as well, even though you're selling the NFT, you're not selling your copyright, are you? You're just no, selling no, you that as that. an item. Yeah. Have you had any right. bad experiences with all of this or has it all been good so far? It's a, it's all been great. Really, great. It's all That's been good. great. It's good to know. Yeah. So how much time do you spend, say, making art versus doing more of the business side of things? <laughs> um, so I think I think that I had this. Uh, I, I spoke on this earlier. I had this this little this dream, like this unrealistic, um, like dream of what I thought being an artist was. Right? I thought it was like you you paint or you draw for eighty or ninety percent of the time, and then the other time you're going to you know you're going to art shows and exhibitions. And the sad reality, I think, and uh, that I think that most artists experience is you really paint or draw for maybe twenty or thirty percent of the time, and the rest of it is dedicated to to websites, marketing, you know, social media, to all the other packaging, shipping, because you know you wear all you wear all these hats as as a full time artist. So I, I wish that I was you know being able to put in sixty or seventy seventy percent of the time, but yeah, it's really twenty or thirty percent of the time is is dedicated just to creating, and it's really hard for me to protect that time because there's so much going on. You know, you're you know, I actually have to turn my phone off when I create because I have that impulse to like what's going on on Instagram or maybe I need to share myself <laughs> creating this or what's going on on Twitter or, you know, it's, it's a rabbit uh, hole, isn't it? it? It is. It is. And then, Oh God forbid I get on like TikTok or something because then I'm, I'm down the rabbit hole on TikTok. <laughs> like two hours go by and I'm scrolling videos. So. And of course you've got a family as well and you have to kind of, you know, spend a bit of time with them as well. Don't you? So it's, it's it is a balancing act. It is. It is. Like I said, you wear all these hats. It's 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 exhausting. I have to say, I really love your newsletter. You write so well. They're so good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank Ooh, you I so want, much. I want to sign up for that. Then I didn't know you had one. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, it's something that I've recently. I, I've written a few blog posts in the past, and and then I decided to kind of jump on this uh, this writing kick, and you know, uh, put out you know several newsletters a month, and. Uh, I really found a, a another creative outlet that I really really enjoyed, and I and I've, I've got a lot of you know good responses from from readers on on how much they look forward to reading these and and how helpful they are or insightful, and I, you know I, I really enjoy doing those. So and it's something that I'll, that I'll continue to do. I hate writing these letters, and I was sitting writing mine the other day and thinking, <laughs> how can I write like Jason? <laughs> it, it didn't work though. No, you see, I love, I absolutely love writing, but my biggest problem is I have a tendency to waffle. 
So quite often I'll write a newsletter and then I have to go or a blog and then I have to go back and then I have to think, right, okay, now get straight. Now get to the point, Sandra. Stop, stop just going on and on. I do that anyway, <laughs> verbally. You haven't noticed, Sandra. You haven't noticed. I go, I, go off, I go off topic. I do, that, I do that talking where he'll ask me a question and then I'm like, I just wander into this whole other topic. So it's, it's oh. pretty bad. And I, and I try to stay on point with my newsletters. But my what I do is is I I will block out like two or three days, two, two to four days or whatever a month. And that's all I'll do is, is I'll write my blog post for the month. So I'll have these topics that I'm thinking about and they're all, you know, they're all art related and trying to help other artists or, or whatever. And, and I'll, I'll write them in, you know, two or three days and edit them and then have them ready to go. So where can people find the place to sign up for those? Uh, you can go to jasonchambersart.com mm-hmm. and uh, that's where my blog and all that good stuff is. Great. Uh, oh, I was going to say, what... go on, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm I'm going on again. Um, yeah, I was just going. to... Did you have another thing to ask, Centara? No, I thought you were going to ask about art, art, the art collections Jason was working on. <laughs> oh yeah, I was. Yeah, I was going to ask. I was, yes, I was going to ask. What are you working on at the moment? <laughs> so, so I am working on. So I've got several large scale uh, paintings that I'm working on, and some large scale. Um, uh, works on paper i've got a small exhibition coming up in april here in my in my uh my, my hometown and so i'm trying to get prepared for that but i am a procrastinator so what will happen is i'll probably wait till about the month before and then i'll power through and create a whole ton of work but i'm trying to be organized this year and and get you know get the bulk of it done so that i'm not panicking at the, you know a month before have you done many in-person exhibitions i had my first solo exhibition uh in 2020 is it 2020 yes in 2020 <laughs> i can't remember i had my first my first one so that was it, was it was an experience and i've done small little group exhibitions since then but this is this one in april is going to be a solo exhibition as well so wow it's kind of kind of exciting yeah um so as well as selling your art you also created an adult coloring book now can you tell I us a bit, can you tell us a bit more about how that came about yeah absolutely yeah that that was a a passion project for me and it's something that I spent almost a year, um, a year working on um, and, and thinking about and, and wanting to put out. So I'm a huge proponent of, of mental health awareness and how, how art is, uh, can be used as a therapy to help combat, you know, anxiety or depression. And it's not a cure-all, but it can definitely help combat it. And uh, one of the reasons that I got you know, back into my artwork and into this particular style is, you know, I had a like massive panic attack and, you know, I've got horrible anxiety that's, you know, kind of presented itself back in 2015. And I would draw on my sketchbooks and these are the sketchbooks that I don't show anybody, but I would, you know, sit here and I would do these, do these drawings and stuff, you know, these, these line drawings. And that's when I kind of branched off and, jumped into like a more refined uh, sketchbook that I show people. So I was doing these drawings and these, these kind of help help clear my mind and, you know, keep my anxiety at bay. And I thought if these, if these drawings, you know, help me, maybe that I can take these and do something with them to help, to help someone else. And that's when I got the, the brilliant idea. Like I'll just, how about I create an adult coloring book? So I took these line drawings and, um, put them on the iPad, cleaned them up digitally, you know, made everything nice and pretty and clean and, uh, and created this, this coloring book called Calming the Noise. And uh, it's got 30 
you know, 30 cubist illustrations that are super intricate and, and, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, so, so happy I was able to, to do this and have the means to do this, you know, before you had to, you had to have a, you know, a publish a publishing house that would stand behind you. But now in today's world, you can self publish and it's wonderful. So have you done that through Amazon? I did it through Amazon. I used their, their Kindle direct publishing, uh, service and uh super user friendly and uh i'm gonna have another another coloring book coming out uh, at the end of this year and um and i'm also having a uh, i'm also having an art book um a collection of my artwork kind of a coffee cool. table book but uh it's not going to be through amazon i'm using a, a different publisher but uh yeah i'm going to have a, a huge 250 something page um art book uh coming wow, out wow. in april so are you going to crowdfund it or are you just going to go for it I'm going to crowdfund this. I'm going to yeah. use probably Kickstarter once I get the the bulk of it finished and see exactly mm-hmm. what it's going to what's going what it's going to cost to, to publish. Then I'll, I'll run a Kickstarter program and and we'll go from there. But super excited about that as well. Do you know what I wondered? And I don't you you might not know the answer to this one. I wondered if you could do that through NFTs. Do you know what I mean? So Possibly. you almost sell a, a portion of so someone buys a portion of or they almost buy your book as a pre-sell as an NFT. But I, I don't know. <laughs> That's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. I'm going to have to definitely look into that. Yeah. I mean, there might even be a platform that does it, maybe. I don't know. You should see my face at the moment. It's gone blank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just staring into his face. I'm just zoned out. <laughs> Do you know what, Sandra? Did you notice that Jason said passion project? I noticed that. We did a, an episode, a recent episode called passion projects uh, yeah and Sa- sandra was going sandra thought i was talking about something rude i oh, thought she was making up. up the term <laughs> passion project <laughs> yeah so it's interesting i was very interested as well what you were saying about the art therapy thing and we've always wanted actually to do a, a full episode on art as a therapy and we've we want to find someone who who kind of you know is an expert on that um it's interesting because i didn't know you you know obviously that's the side i didn't know about you um yeah we we find that kind of thing really interesting don't we tara because a lot of people in our group or not a lot of them but there are some people in our group who've emailed us and said you know since we've since i've joined the group since i've been drawing i've managed to come off my medication i've managed to give up alcohol all the various problems and and it really made us think tara didn't it of just how art isn't just about a frivolous hobby or a way of making money it's it enriches the lives of so many people and I think the problem is everyone who starts art thinks that they can only um, do it if they're good at it Uh, if they're not good at it you know they have no business doing it and that's just so not true I don't know what you think about that no I completely I completely agree that I think that um, that anybody can you know whether they think they're good or not they can definitely get in there and they can draw or they can color you know because it 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 does it does help people in fact i you know um, i wrote a blog post about coloring and mental health um if if you or your listeners want to uh want to check it out but it does have some some uh some bullet points on there and some um some actual like uh facts from different doctors that the benefits of coloring or creating artwork you know what what it does for people Mm. So um, moving on to something else then, obviously Picasso you were inspired by. What other artists have inspired you along the way, whether that's, you know, past artists or present ones? 
Well, uh, like I said, Picasso is definitely definitely big on the list. Uh, li- on the on the list on the list. Uh, <laughs> Matisse, uh, uh, Monet, uh, Dolly, uh, some of the like current artists, which would be like George Kondo. I love George Kondo's work. There's an artist named Christopher Mudgett. Um, there's a outstanding artist named Alexandra Nikita. Um, so yeah, and I'm I'm constantly finding new artists every day that that inspire me. Um, Gabe, you know, I talked about Gabe Weiss, a good friend of mine, uh, definitely inspired by him as well. So he's got a piece actually, I really loved, and I can't remember what it, I don't know what he called or anything, but I remember seeing that ages ago and I think I put it on, I think I pinned it to my Pinterest board as inspiration. It was amazing. It was, it, it kind great. of, yeah, it, it was, I don't know if you'd call it cubist or not. It was kind of a blend really, but it was almost like a, almost looked three dimensional. It's incredible. So what has been the highlight of your career so far? And, and Sandra always adds, apart from talking to us, but, you know, yeah, apart, apart from us. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, I think my, the highlight for me, I mean, really has been able, has, has been going and doing this full time. I mean, that, I know that sounds kind of, kind of like a cop out, but being able to, to follow this dream and to, to do this full time um, has, has really been the highlight. And, and I think also, you know, once I got into the, into NFTs, um, I think being able to interact with this, like within the, the amazing art community has, has just been wonderful. I don't think that sounds like a cop out at all. <laughs> that would certainly be the highlight of my career if I could literally do it full, <laughs> full time. Do you, um, you mentioned there about obviously a lot of marketing involves, you know networking doesn't it and having to we're not having to but also wanting to meet people online and talk to them and um, network with them really do you ever find it to be kind of difficult because obviously you've did you say you've got children and a partner yeah I do I'm married I've been married married for uh for yeah. 21 years and I've got yeah. I've got two two children I've got a grown son mm. and a daughter that's just about grown yeah um so you know when it comes to things like that because obviously you've got to paint you've got to you know load your digital artwork on your open sea you've got a blog you've got to write your newsletter you've got to do all this stuff and obviously it helps now you're full-time do you consider that networking to be part of of that marketing and do you find it hard to to do that at home when you're with your family because I know sometimes I mean I'm I'm very lucky my husband is really really good like that he doesn't mind at all but there are times when I'm sort of answering Instagram comments and things like that in the evening when I'm sitting with him because I've seen one come up and I want to reply to people if somebody's taken the time to comment on something then obviously as much as I can I want to show them the same you know I want to respond to them if I can yeah. But, you know, yeah. I imagine there'd be a lot of times in some relationships where the other partner would say, well, hang on a minute, you know, you're meant to be with me now. Do you ever find that to be an <laughs> issue? And how do you deal no, with my, that? My wife is, she's outstanding. She's, you know, she's, you know, um, she's completely on board with, uh, with what I do. Um, Good, and yeah. I work nonstop. I work from the time that I get up um, until just about time for me to go to bed. And I do this. Sometimes seven days a week. I try to take Sundays off, but normally it's seven days a week. Um, and I said I'll work in the evenings. You know, I try to I try to finish my work by about eight o'clock, and then we go in, you know, into the family room and watch TV um, for an hour or two. Try to spend time together, but even then, I'm on my phone, uh, you know, answering messages and stuff. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, I I have messaged 
other artists that have large followings and they just don't respond to you. They're just, and I think that if someone takes the time to send me a DM or comment on a post, then I'm, regardless of how long it takes me, I'm going, I'm going to respond to them. And I think that's just the, that's just the right thing to do. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Have you ever uh, used your wife as a model, by the way, <laughs> one of your paintings? I, and I does she know? <laughs> I, I've actually, I've actually drawn her. So before I got into like cubism and stuff, I was a portrait, portrait and figurative artist. Oh. And uh, I've drawn, I've drawn my wife a few times, um, you know, once without, <laughs> I remember one time she was, she was, uh, she was laying on the couch. I said, let me draw you. And, and she's like, no, she said, I'm taking a nap. And she said, and I said, well, I'm going to draw you. And she said, no. So she rolled over where I couldn't see her face. Oh. And I went ahead and, and, I, and I drew her anyhow. So. <laughs> <laughs> so she hasn't been cubismed yet then. <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> So do you have any tips for artists who want to make art their full-time career as you have? Because like, like I said before, it's, it's quite a um, daunting decision to make. I mean, I, I'm just sort of, you, you get to a point, don't you, where when, if, if now's not the right time, when is, and yeah, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that and what tips you have for anyone else thinking about it. I would say that if you're going to pursue this full-time, that um, you need to go into it with a plan. And I don't think, it, and even, even saying that, when you go into it with a plan, you're never fully prepared when you finally take that plunge and you see what doing this full-time actually looks like versus, you know, what you thought it was going to be. So, yeah, because like you say, that a lot of people would just think 90% of your time would be spending in front of an easel, and that's just not the case at all, is it? It's not the case, and they're, you know, the art, the art world is very cyclical. Um, you'll have um, moments when you are selling everything that you're making and life is great. And then you will either see a slowdown or you will see a lull. And if you are not financially prepared before you take this plunge, you will absolutely panic. Before I, before I decided to go and do this full time, I, you know, I put away a pretty large nest egg. So, because I was afraid that if, um, everything slowed down and I didn't have that money stashed away, you know, I was going to seriously panic and I, I don't want to go back to working in a factory again. So I, I kind of went into it prepared, but like I said, you're never really fully prepared. So definitely put a lot of thought into it and, mm -hmm. and you need to treat being an artist like a business because that's what you are at the end of the day. You, you're, you're a, you're a, you're a business. And um, for those people that obviously aren't in the position where they can take, you know, this full time, but they still want to, you know, pursue an art career, you, when you were working in a factory, how did you then, how did you balance that time then into working and doing art and trying to market so you could one day be full time? That must have been quite difficult. It was. It was very difficult. Um, I will say, though, I think that I was more productive when I was when I was working a full time job and creating artwork, um, because I had such a limited amount of time to actually get into the studio and work. And so, you know, my productivity was like I was I was creating like crazy. And then the days that I wasn't in the studio or I was at work on my breaks, I was doing the marketing and the social media aspect of it. Right. But right. it was it was very difficult. Like I said I worked 12 hours a day, you know, and between travel and everything, I was out of the house, you know, uh, 16, 17 hours a wow. day, you know. Could, could I just ask you about Twitter? Obviously, you said that Twitter is the place if you want to try and um, promote your NFTs. Right. Were you on Twitter already? And how, how did you find the best way sort of to get yourself out there on Twitter? 
Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't get on Twitter until I until I actually got involved with NFTs. I think I joined Twitter in like April, right. April of last year, and uh, I started going through uh, hashtags, like hashtags like NFT collector, hashtag NFT, hashtag NFTs, um, those those kind of hashtags, and you can find uh, people that um, that are creating or collecting NFTs through through that way, and, and to help build up your following. And, and you definitely want to engage. Um, you definitely don't want to what they call shilling. You don't want to you don't want to try to directly sell to people in their comments or through direct messages. That's kind of like bad form. But you can definitely get in there and interact and comment on their artwork. And I will say also uh, on a side note, if you are going to be uh, if you're going to sell NFTs you really need to look into not only selling them, but also collecting them. Because if you look at the majority of the NFT collectors that are out there right now, a lot of them are other artists. So you definitely want to give back to the community as much as you take from the community. So do you wait until you've sold so many and then you'll buy one? I did. I did. I think I sold, I think I sold three or four and then I went in and then I bought, I bought an NFT and that's kind of the, you know, kind of what I would do. Yeah. Uh, kind, of, kind of what I still do now is I, I sell a couple and then I, I buy one. Right. Yeah. I'm still, still to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've not been, you've, you've been doing it very short time yeah, now, I have. You? So yeah. it's all a learning process, isn't yes. it? And, yeah. you know, so like you say, fun. you want to make a few sales first as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Mm. Definitely. You want to, you want to put a little bit of money in the bank first. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where can people find out, out about more about you and your art? Um, you can go to jasonchambersart.com, and from there you can check out my blog. You can check out my online store. Um, if you want to see my my daily creations and uh, the, the random thoughts, uh, you can go to uh, Jason Chambers Art on Instagram. Or if you want to check out uh, my daily NFT stuff, uh, you can go to Jason L Chambers on Twitter. Great, thank you very much. So great thank to have you on. Yeah, I feel like I've learned a lot. I actually a lot of fun. do. <laughs> I've got brain ache now, but no, it was actually it's really nice to talk to. It's nice to sort of talk to someone who kind of, you know, tries to put things in a simplified way. I hope I did. Um, <laughs> you, yeah, you did. You've it's less frightening. Uh, Tara, you've been like that as well, haven't you? You've been very good with me. I think I scare yeah. you a little bit, don't I? Well, yeah, but yeah. that's not nothing yeah. to do with the NFT. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway thank you so much jason we have enjoyed this chat so so much and we hope you've enjoyed it too and um hopefully we'll speak to you again sometime okay look forward bye. To it and thank you all so much for having me bye okay bye bye thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on itunes <laughs>